Welcome to the Midlife CEO Podcast, where business coach and strategist Jeannie Spiro teaches you how to take your coaching business to six figures and beyond at Midlife. Join Jeannie and her guests as they reveal their best kept secrets to creating a thriving six or seven figure lifestyle based business. And now, Jeannie Spiro. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Midlife CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Spiro. I can't even tell you every episode that I do, I'm so excited for my guests to come on. In fact, I like doing them more so than recording alone. Today, I have two guests, and sometimes I think two is even better than one, right? Um, and two of these amazing women I've had the pleasure of knowing through another incredible person in my life. We met over a year ago, and we've been working on some different things together over the past year. They have uh, reached new audiences in the last year, and I cannot wait to introduce you to them in case you don't know them already. I have Lynn Twist and Sarah Vetter from the Soul of Money Institute with me today. I'm going to do a brief bio, a little introduction of both of them, and they're going to tell you more about themselves. Lynn is the founder of the Soul of Money Institute and author of the best-selling book, The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life. Over the past 40 years, Lynn has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries. Her clients include Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, the International Unity Church, Charles Schwab, United Way, the National Black Theater, Harlem, Harvard University, and others. She has been a featured speaker for the United Nations Beijing Women's Conference, State of the World Forum, and synthesis dialogues with the holiness, the Dalai Lama, among others. Lynn is the recipient of the prestigious Woman of Distinction Award from the United Nations. So we also have with us Sarah Vetter. She is the business development director of the Soul of Money Institute and is a coach, consultant, workshop leader, keynote speaker, and strategist. She's also the major gift fundraiser for the Pachamama Alliance. Sarah has had experience in advertising, marketing, and sales with several magazines, including LA Magazine and the Disney Channel. She's been coaching, consulting, leading workshops for, through uh, Soul of Money, working with Lynn for seven years, and she has become a key player in all the initiatives of the Institute. There's many, many more things I can say about these incredible women um, who've been a part of my life for over a year now. And I'm going to let you both say hi, because I could talk, obviously, the whole time, but you really need to say hello. <laughs> hi, this is Lynn, and it's a joy to be on your podcast. Thank you for inviting us, Jeannie. <laughs> yeah. And this is Sarah. And just so you know, I've been working with Lynn 11 years now, so I just had my 11-year anniversary, <laughs> so I'm very seasoned in working with Lynn, but uh, this is so great. I don't even know my life without before Jeannie. There's no before Jeannie in, <laughs> in my life. You're such a key person in our lives. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thank you for saying that and for being here today. Uh, I have, I've told you some of this in our conversations over the past year, but I have loved our work together for a variety of reasons. Um, one was because I wasn't what I think I'd known of you, but I wasn't completely familiar with both of you. And I've gotten to know the strength uh, the, the, there's so much determination in what you do, but there's really this passion behind both of you to bring your work to more people. And why I love getting the chance to, to partner with you and do this work together is that you're not tired of bringing your work to more people. It, there's fuel and energy within you. Because we talk to midlife women, 
I would love for you to talk about this topic because, you know, we're not, we're not in our twenties, <laughs> all of us, right? What inspires you to get up and go to work every single day and to do this work? Lynn, do you want to go first and take that one? Um, yeah, <clears throat> well, I think there's a, uh, that we're living at a very special time for women. And I feel so grateful to be alive now, actually, uh, at this time. I, I feel that the, the, the century we're in, we call the Sophia century at the Soul of Money Institute. Um, and I like to look at the long view. And when you think about this uh, century, you realize, or I realize, it's the first century in the third millennium. So that's, that's really long time thinking. But it put it places us in the kind of epic epicenter of a historical time when we're facing the greatest crises, multiple crises any generation of humankind has ever faced, and a lot of them stem from what we could term the patriarchy, the um, uh, the, the context of dominance and control, uh, colonization. Um, uh, when when you think about Black Lives Matter and all that's going on with racism um, and the the kind of caste system that we live in, uh, you see the the that that the arise of women, the feminine, the divine, the heart, uh, having the same um, power and uh, and visibility uh, as as the mind is so key to the future that we want particularly the environmental crisis, which is something I work on, is a fraught with fear and running out of this and running out of that, rather than a love for the earth, a love for the community of life, uh, a heart-based look at where we are in our relationship with each other, rather than fear of running out. And um, <clears throat> and I'm, I know that that is available to all human beings, that heart-based look, that deep well of infinite love, but it's really accessible for women. It is the feminine quality in all of us, uh, and it's just really ripe and ready to be burst forth in women, in business, in, in governance, in education, in the economy, in everything. And so for me, the feminine, the female, the rise of women and the rise of the feminine in all of us is absolutely key to resolving our environmental crisis, our, our crisis with governance, our crisis with education, our economic crisis, our health crisis. Um, uh, it's, it's key to everything. So I'm more motivated, more inspired, more energized to do the work that we get to do than I've ever been in my entire life. You were almost tireless, Lynn, in your pursuit of making sure your work reaches more and more people. And I, I'm in awe sometimes of the energy that you have and the passion you have for what you do. So I'm, I'm so happy to introduce my audience to you and your work. And Sarah, okay, so you are behind the scenes and alongside of Lynn at the same time. So we have partnered on a lot of projects this past year. So your mind works a little differently than Lynn's. What excites you about the work you're doing and why are you so excited to get up every day and do what you're doing? Well, what excites me about the work we're doing is uh, 
seen the impact and uh, the pandemic has really, really, really skyrocketed, skyrocketed my uh, love and gratitude for what I do. I mean, times tenfold. I loved it before, but uh, there's something, a shift that happened when it, when, when we actually, when we met you, because we, we decided we found you and then we decided we want to reach thousands and thousands, not a talk with a hundred people or 500 people, but thousands and thousands of people. So how do we do that? So we started doing that online. That was such a high. And the other thing that motivates me, I think to myself a lot, what if I didn't have this amazing work to do to uplift women, to empower women, women in their middle age, women now like looking like what's next for me to do? Like, oh my gosh, like, wait, I'm at home. Maybe I could do something here while I'm at home. Like what that, that, you know, is so inspiring to me to, to uprise women at this time, especially when they're, you know, when, when life has taken such a turn. So I wake up so many days thinking, oh my God, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? And the answer is I'd be trying to control my children that aren't children and are adult. I'd be trying to control other relationships. I'd be, I don't know what I would be doing. It would be just, I don't know. So it motivates me greatly. And then I have to keep up with Lynn. So, and I have to keep Lynn going. So <laughs> that's a great motivation for me. It's easy. It's fun. It's such a thrill. And um, I don't know, the topic seems more, more important and relevant than ever since I've been working with, with Lynn and the Soul Money Institute. It's so, it's so incredible just to see both of you at work and working together and working in partnership together. You do something called your blue hammock. And I would love for you to talk about this because I think this is this is hard for for women. Sometimes I I notice this. We 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 want to put more work into the world. We're inspired to do our work, and we need to go within, or we need to have a process that helps us get creative and then bring our work into the world. Would you talk about the blue hammock and your process because this is part of how you've continued to grow. <laughs> who, who are you asking? Either of you can answer the question. <laughs> so where is the blue hammock? Is it your house, Lynn? Yes, it's in. The, it's on a deck off my uh, kind of kitchen area. Okay. Uh, there's a blue hammock. Actually, there's also an orange hammock. So, uh, but the blue hammock refers to both hammocks. Um, and it's a. It's. Um, we live in San Francisco. Sarah uh, lives very close by, so she's at my home a lot, and this is uh, in the Soul of Money Institute is in my home. And when we need to create something, which we often do, um, somehow it's always a sunny day, and we're drawn to go outside on the deck and have some time in the blue hammock or the orange hammock, but let's just say the blue hammock. And um, I'm the lucky person who gets to lie in the blue hammock. <laughs> And then Sarah sits next to me in one of these little kind of old wooden chairs we have on our deck and we just start talking and something happens. It, it's, it's that little environment that somehow is magical for us and it creates a space where what I call source starts to come through. Um, it starts to be uh, a kind of like a, 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 a moment where something comes through it. It's, it's like a download. And it, it's a beautiful um, time for the two of us to have a conversation uh, that draws out of the, our partnership. Uh, it seems like it comes out of the blue hammock, but I think it comes out of us. Um, 
just what's needed to create the content for the next webinar. When we realize we have, we have these five insights about something that's happening in the world, uh, we want to make sure people see it this way, uh, an experience of context that calms people down and gives people their own sense of power and agency. Just amazing things happen in the Blue Hammock. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. It kind of started because we'd be up in our little office there at Lynn's house at the Soul Money Institute at her home in the third floor, a beautiful little space, but we would start to get a little brain fog, tired, like burned out, meeting after meeting. And then we'd say, let's kind of take a break, but maybe let's talk about it. And then so it kind of started out like that. <clears throat> then we would go into the blue hammock, Lynn would lay in the blue hammock. And I, I have this real superpower of pulling things out of people. Like I somehow know the question to ask or what it is to get in there. And then it was, it was just like a flood. So it was so effective the first time I'm like, okay, now anytime we have anything about anything, even if we have a personal issue to talk about, blue hammock. And even if it's not sunny, bundle up, blue hammock. <laughs> it's a blue hammock <laughs> moment. So it's, it's become our, our trademark, the blue hammock moment. <laughs> I, I've seen this. Well, I'm not actually visually there to see it, but I've seen you when you're working, go through this process and it helps you be able to create. It helps you bring your work to more people. It gives you the clarity that you need. And it's like there's divine downloads that are given to you in these moments, right? So, uh, and they're so necessary for people to hear and know in your work. I'd love for you to talk more about your work what you're doing now, what's, what is, is, is changing? Is there anything different about the work that you're doing now? Lynn, do you want to start and Sarah jump in after? Oh, we can't hear you. This, uh, thank you. Uh, sure. The Soul of Money Institute for many years has been focused on transforming people's relationship with money and life. And this comes from a long history that I've had as a fundraiser and philanthropist, working on hunger, working on um, consciousness issues, working on environmental issues, and dealing with people and their relationship with money. And um, that's an area of life that most people find troubled, uh, stressful, upsetting. Uh, often people have wounds and hurts in their relationship with money. They were in a terrible divorce or they had a harsh uh, parent that clamped down on them in ways that was, or their parents fought over money. It, most, most people, pretty much everybody, has some sort of baggage and wounds and hurts around money. And it seems like it's from their personal life, but our theory is it comes from the culture, a culture, a consumer culture, a monetized culture, a uh, commercial culture that, uh, that puts things uh, and money above all else. And that's such a unfortunate uh, way of seeing the world. It's, it's uh, we call it a, the, the, the lie of scarcity. And people feel they're always running out of money. They need more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that. And it comes from this economic model that we're living in that's based on scarcity. And so our work is really to uh, really examine what we call the lie of scarcity, an economic model that becomes a psychological, almost a spiritual model for the way people live and has people be desperate to have more of anything and everything in such a way that we're kind of never satisfied, 
never have contentment and never make a difference with what we already have because we're always seeking more. And that mentality, that kind of psychology, we address very directly in the Soul of Money Institute and really clear that mindset away so that people have an experience of full-on sufficiency, enoughness, accept themselves exactly the way they are. Um, they have an experience of what we call radical contentment. And from there, they can contribute. They make a difference. They see the bounty and blessing of life. They live in deep gratitude and uh, satisfaction and fulfillment. And so that's kind of our way into transformation. And in the last few years, <clears throat> it's become clear to us also that um, we've had the privilege of working with women. <clears throat> we have a course called The Remarkable Women's Journey that we started five years ago. This is our fifth year. And it really stemmed from a series of insights about this being the Sophia century and the role of women being so critical to the future of life on this planet, so vital, and that women um, ourselves aren't aware of the importance of our own power, our own full self-expression, and that it's not just for us, although that's really a wonderful part of all this, it's for the world. We actually need to have an evolutionary leap in order to have a sustainable future for, for the human species, for all of life. And the role of women, the role of the feminine, as I said before, the energy of divine feminine wisdom is absolutely critical to this. And I've learned this from all kinds of sources, but a particular source, particular, particular source of wisdom for both Sarah and myself is the Pachamama Alliance, where we work with the indigenous peoples of the Amazon. And um, that's made it really clear how vital this crisis is that we have with the climate and how important the role of women and the feminine is in getting through it, resolving it, transforming it, and have the world that we all want and need. So important and such necessary work. I, I'd love for you to jump in, Sarah. Um, what would you like to share? Um, what, what was the original question was like, why now or what's what's different now or right? So um, about your work, yes. About the work, yeah. So for me, I, I'm sort of the poster child of a really screwed up relationship with money my entire life. And um, and so I work on it all the time. I've worked on it. That's why I got in, interested in, in this work and Redland's book and Metlin. I'm like, oh, wow, that's all those distinctions in there are my life. You know, I, I came from wealth and then married a guy that was did very well. And I, I, the more I had, the more I felt like absolute nothing. Like I had, I, I wasn't enough. I've never was going to be enough. This is all going to go to shit and it, or to heck. And it did, <laughs> excuse me. Totally so um, I, I feel like I was sort of like the poster child and I make what Lynn shares and these distinctions, I make them real because I, I live it <laughs> a lot. But I think what's different now is, I'm just going to say again, this last year and a half, all that material things don't don't matter so much. Like suddenly everybody, what mattered was being at home. You couldn't go anywhere. So you couldn't get on your planes and trains and your third houses and 
things like that. So all that mattered was really your relationships and your relationships with the people that you were in the pandemic with and this smaller circle. So the whole show and keeping up with the Joneses didn't matter. So I feel we're more important than ever because now women particularly are like, wait a minute, what is life about? It's not about acquiring, acquiring, consuming, consuming, acquiring, acquiring. And I think it took this huge shakeup for women to see that. So now that they're a little bit in that space, women particularly of wealth or women accumulating wealth or women that have made it very successfully, now the feeling I get is like, oh gosh, wait, maybe that isn't so important, so now what? And how do I just be totally happy with what I have and not have to go out and keep accumulating? So to me, the message is that important to me because I'm going through that same thing and I feel it in the culture for women especially middle-aged women, especially middle-aged women, because we're all in this great transition of what's next for us. So that's why I think our work is just vital to, to what's going on. It absolutely is. And I can tell you on a personal level that a couple of years ago, I remember I had an incredibly profitable year. It was my best year in business ever. And I'd been wanting that. I'd been working toward it. I'd been wanting it. And I was tired. I was miserable. And I remember going to an event that year and actually was hosting the event. And I remember feeling nothing. Like I didn't even feel great about what I'd created or it, it was almost like I was numb. And I thought, well, I've checked every box and I've done everything that I was supposed to be doing. And I've made it to this revenue goal that I wanted to. I am tired. I feel sick. I'm not happy. In fact, I'm numb. I haven't seen my family. Why am I doing this? And I had that realization of, I don't think this is what I want. And, but I had been striving to reach a certain financial goal because I, in some ways I was sort of conditioned to do that when I first started my, my business. I thought, this is what we do. We work towards six figures, then multiple six, and then seven figures. And so I was on that tra trajectory even mentally and then like financially. And I did the things and I was miserable. What, like that was horribly eye-opening and it was a relief at the same time. <laughs> you see that, both of you see that a lot, right? So how do we, in my case, I peeled it back. I started figuring out what was important, but how do you do that in your work with women in particular who start to get to that point where they realize this is not really what I want? What do you say to them? Like well, first of all, thanks for sharing your own personal story because it's so helpful to, to hear that because that's really what makes things real. Like that's what Sarah is so good at in our little partnership. Um, I'll tell a story myself that we, we have the privilege of working with some of the wealthiest uh, families on earth, really. And you would think because the culture trains us to think this and it trained you to think that, Jeannie, that if you have more money, you'll be happier, you'll have more freedom you'll be more liberated, you'll be able to make all kinds of choices, you'll have all the things you now think you, you want. But when people get there, which you did, it's, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Um, and it's very, very hard to see that until you've been there 
and then you let it go. It's because the culture is so strong, the culture of scarcity that, um, you know, there's not enough to go around is this mindset we have. And somewhere, 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 somehow, somebody's always going to get left out. So you want to make sure it's not you and yours. So you accumulate way more than you need to make sure that you and yours are not left out. And then you think you're going to help these other people that you sort of, in some ways, uh, accumulated your fortune a little bit at the expense of. And so there's a, a there's such a deep and profound lie in that way of thinking that doesn't belong to you, Jeannie, or doesn't belong to me, Lynn, or doesn't belong to Sarah or anyone who's listening. It belongs to the culture we're swimming in. And it beats down on us. It pummels us. You know, if you watch television now, there's like a little tiny bit of programming and then like 40 commercials and then another little tiny bit of programming and then another 40 commercials. It is so intense. It is so heavy. And, you know, you so you sign up for Netflix or something where there's no commercials, but then you go on the Internet and you can't even get on someone's podcast <laughs> without a commercial. I mean, it's just intense. It's everywhere. The consumer culture seeps into everything. It's 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 um, it's it's uh, it, it's invasive. It's aggressive, and it it it's like uh, pummeling us with wanting what we don't need. And so it's such a tyranny. People don't. It's so constant. We don't realize the tyranny we're living in, and it brainwashes you, and it makes you think that material consumer goods uh, having accumulating, uh, owning, um, being a, a, in a position to purchase is more important than love. It's just crazy. And we all get sucked into it. I do too. But once you find out that it's not what it's cracked up to be, um, it, 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 it helps, but it still haunts people, it still haunts people. So my story about some of the wealthiest people in the world is they are some of the most screwed up people in the world, the most bamboozled by this culture, the most um, kind of caught and trapped in it. Um, and they think they want more. I mean, it's just insane. We were working with someone not that long ago, just a few days ago, who had to really think about whether or not reaching a billion dollars was what he wanted to do or whether or not he'd be satisfied with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, you know, think of that. That's just like crazy. It's insane. But it doesn't come from that human being who's a wonderful, wonderful human being. It comes from a culture that's unrelenting and it's a tyranny and we all live in it. It helps to have these conversations and awareness and be in community with people who are talking about it to start to think differently, would you say? And that's part of why you're do, you do the work you're doing. You love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, because if people can see that it's not them, mm -hmm. not that, the, it, that it's not you, it's not me, it's not, there's not something wrong with us, uh, and know that it's in the culture, then you can begin to disaggregate yourself from it and begin to talk about to yourself about what you really care about, which is what you did. And now you're, you know, you're, you're, you're financially just fine, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have a happy yeah. life, which is what you wanted in the first place. <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is sort of a silly example, but um, I've noticed now that spring is springing and the world is sort of opening up and I'm vaccinated. Um, 
I walk by a store and I'm not kidding a year ago I would have walked in and just just because I I was kind of having a down day and I just wanted to feel better so I thought I'm going to go buy something to have me look better and that's going to make me feel better but I stopped myself like I, I actually didn't want to I didn't want to do that I mean mm -hmm. honestly I've been wearing the same jeans for a year now two that I switched back and forth on because people only see me from the waist up on zoom so I don't need another five pairs of jeans but I don't know I, I my mindset's shifting so I, I and I but I feel like it's always out there because then the next store I could have seen something appealing in the window and thought oh what the heck I don't care I'm just going to go in there okay. so I'm just saying that because it's out that door at all times for all of us always so steeping yourself in these concepts and distinctions really helps when you get to that door again into the next shiny object and you go wait a minute do i really need that is that going to make me feel like i'm enough or that i'm good enough no it's not i'm mean, you know so i feel there's a shift happening in in our culture somewhat I, I agree completely. And, you know, why I really wanted to have this conversation with you is because there's three pieces that intersect for me and you. And one is that the money piece, a lot of the women that come to me have already been successful in a career or have made money in another way before they've started a business. And they were great at it, many of them, because they're, they're at that midlife stage, right? It's not like they we're doing something for a few years. Many people like in my, I was in a career for over 20 years before I started my business. So I was really good at that. Then I started my business and I wasn't good at it and I wasn't making money. Right. And I was like, Oh no. And my whole identity was, I was really good at one thing. I didn't translate how I could be good <laughs> that some of that I could take into my new, new career and be great at that too. I had to sort of catch up to it, which took time. And a lot of the women uh, have done that with they've they've left something because they're no longer happy with it. And there's passion inside of them to do something else. But they've left security, right? The security security of the paycheck, the the knowingness of I was really good at something or really skilled to I'm starting a business. I don't, I don't know the internet. I don't know technology. <laughs> I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to sell. Um, uh, and then they're, they're in this whole other sort of, I don't know, they go down this whole, whole other path of I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to make enough money. And they forget that they, they, they were very successful at one point. So why I wanted to talk about this is because the, the not enoughness, this, the lack of sufficiency, the conversations in their mind, it's so hard because they want, they're striving to, to have something that they're passionate about and that makes money. At the same time, they're battling all of these other things going on. <laughs> it is constant. So mm. you see it too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's being human, <laughs> you know, we're constantly humbled by life. One of the great um, ways of looking at life, and I, I can't remember who put it quite this way, whether it was Marianne Williamson or Byron Katie or, or you, Jeannie, but life, if you see life as a classroom, if you see life as a opportunity for, for your own growth and development, if you see the circumstances of your life as not happening to you, but happening for you, 
You can even take something like the pandemic and look at it as something not happening to us as a human species, but happening for us as a human species, interrupting a consumer culture that has us all going crazy like what you just described. And you know, you're not not only are you are you not alone in those thoughts. That is what uh, what a culture of constantly brainwashing people to think they need more to be okay. It produces that outcome, and so we're all swimming in that. That doesn't mean we can't uh, lift ourselves out of it. That doesn't mean um, we can't find uh, or what I like to call clear it away so you find the radical surprising truth that's in your heart. In many ways, the pandemic, as Sarah was saying, has given us a, a, a place of calm, a place of pause, has you know kind of forced us to go home, not only on, into our home homes, like our houses, our shelters, our condos, our, where we live, but home to our own heart, to re-see our own family, to spend way more time, even if it's on Zoom, with the people that we love. Um, it's a very humbling thing, this pandemic. And it's it in, in itself, it's a classroom for the conversation that you're having with us. There's an opportunity, and Sarah was pointing to it, to not only not go back, but to reap the harvest of this time. Now, obviously, people died. It was tragic. People got horribly sick. People lost their parents, their loved ones, their brothers, their sisters. I don't want to step over that. That is a huge part of what I'm talking about. And we all know even that makes life more vivid. Being Having proximate experiences to losing life makes it more vivid, makes life more meaningful. So um, it's been a sobering time, but also it can be this um, part of this, what I call a kind of an aperture that I think we're entering into, women in particular, to find our wholeness, our oneness, our self-sufficiency, our contentment, having us accept ourselves exactly the way we are and then go to work in making the world the world that we want, because we have that power when we let go of all our foibles and all our doubts and all our things about ourselves. We have the power to really make a difference and we're needed now. And it's almost as if your life is about something way bigger than your own life starring you and you have a raison, raison d'etre, you know, you have a real, you see how your contribution is really meaningful and makes a difference, then you get out of your own way. And you let all that go and you, and you go to work. And that's really uh, what you've done. And that's why you're such an inspiration to, to me, to Sarah, to the Soul Mind Institute, and I'm sure to all your listeners. Oh, thank you for saying that. I truly appreciate that. I, I think one of the things I, I want to tap into here, and, and I want to go back to this in a moment more about sufficiency and, and ways to sort of unravel some of that is, Sarah, I want to point to something in in you this past year, uh, because I think this is important. Um, there's a lot of midlife women who are coming into a business and they're feeling not very strong or capable in certain areas or learning, right? And you have embraced so many aspects of, of the behind the scenes of learning how to start to run an online business. 
right? So like when we first met, a lot of this was new to you, right? All of, <laughs> and it, all of it, right? It was like, what are we talking about? It was a whole different language. You are, you got it. Like you, you know it. Talk to me about some of that for you. Like what this year has been like for you in bringing, like an, uh, you have a greater understanding about how to bring the work that you do in Soul of Money into the world through the way you're working and and the way you're working now. Um, yeah. Talk well, about that. I mean, uh, it, I am extremely competitive as a child. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I did one of these test things that said, you know, competition was like right up there. And I was really kind of scared, actually, that the Soul of Money Institute might go under. Like, we were all about being in person, uh, live workshops, you know, um, we had a lot of beautiful coaching clients, but I was just scared, like, God, what's going to happen now? Or is everyone going to shrivel up and, you know, what's going to happen? How are we going to have this impact? How we can't get out? So it initially started out of fear <laughs> and then, um, and then it got fun. It was, it was really fun. It was like a game. It, and, and then, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this just because we're on this podcast, but meeting you, and the way that you would <clears throat> piece it together for me to understand like the big picture. And then here's how you, here are the pieces to it. And here's how you get there. So pulling together a small but mighty team uh, and, and just soaking it in and really listening. I, I just, I, I wanted to know everything. And I wasn't afraid to kind of make mistakes because we made mistakes. And <clears throat> there were plenty of times I was totally overwhelmed and plenty of mornings I woke up, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to pretend like I do. And um, and then I knew I would get to talk to Jeannie once a week. So I, if I can make it till Wednesday, I can do this. So um, I don't know. I think it was, again, it started out as fear. Like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And then I turned that fear into motivation and I turned that fear into determination. And I turned that fear into like, wait a minute, this is something that has to get out there. I can do this. I can do this. And then I started listening and watching other people that were doing it and seeing, you know what, I don't like the way they do it. I want to do it our way. I want to keep the integrity of Soul Money Institute. I, I, not, we're not going to be a sales machine. We're not going to be a marketing machine. That's not who we are. I want to honor the, the, the way in which we work and how we communicate uh, and the deep respect that people have for Lynn and the Soul Money Institute and us. I wanted to honor that, but yet get out there and take risks. So I don't know if that answers your questions, it but that's does. Kind of <laughs> it does because I think you, it was like putting training wheels on at one point, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. I'm putting the training wheels on. And now you're like, you're pretty much cruising down the road and you've got it. Like there's, there's some aspects of really growing an online business, which you are doing, you know, you didn't have to do you, you had certain things in place, right? So there was a newsletter in place. There were there there were some courses. There were some things in place. But you, like as you said before, the majority of what you were doing was in person. You were in retreats. You were speaking. Lynn, you were speaking a lot in person. So there was a big pivot to how were you going to work and bring your work to more people. And in doing so, it was well, what can we create and what is the opportunity to create more? And there's been stretching. And all this is what I'm leading into is there's so much more coming that you're beginning to tap into and in how you're going to empower and 
support other business owners and individuals uh, with their relationship with money, with what can happen for them in the Sophia century. I, I would love for you to talk about what you feel is ahead for the Soul of Money Institute. What's next, Lynn? Why don't you feel that one? Um, well, we're going to be developing courses specifically for women, and we won't exclude men. We haven't really decided this yet, but um, about the divine feminine, about uh, really claiming our, our place in the Sophia century. And um, our view is that the 20, 2020 to 2030, which is the decade we're, we're in the first year of, is the critical turning point decade for the environment, for climate change, for governance, for our democracy in the United States in particular, um, for peace and uh, and the relationship we have with one another, you know, the kind of the extremism that's sort of taken over our culture in many ways. Um, we also uh, really see that the that this uh, experience of being a woman uh, is now coming into a kind of fruition that I haven't seen in my lifetime. I have. I have uh, three granddaughters, and uh, one of them is is in her 20s. She's 21, about to be 22. Another one who's 11, another one who's nine. And then I have a, a my daughter and an adopted daughter, and then a daughter-in-law. And then I look at all the women in my own family, for example, and they come from you know different different points of view. But I see how they view the world is so uh, vital that it becomes something. I think where they really see how important they are, the contribution they have to make. So our courses uh, that we're designing and we're gonna be launching very soon, and I know you're gonna help us do that. Uh, one is called Awakening Women into the Sophia Century, and that will be later this year, uh, probably in the, in the August, September um, period. And we hope to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women and use it almost like a laboratory, a Petri dish, for women to find a deeper place in themselves for their contribution, a stronger voice for what they believe in, and have all of that show up in the context of the Sophia century, a time when the transformation of the voices, the energy of women and the feminine is the critical ingredient that's been missing for so long in giving us a transformed world. And so that's, we're really excited about that. And that will lead us into 2022, where we'll do a year-long program for women about the Sophia century. I hope everyone can hold on a little bit longer. There's plenty of work that you can all be doing. If you're listening, you can jump into Lynn and Sarah's world by getting started. There's a special gift that they have, which I'm going to leave you the link for at the bottom of the show notes here too, but it's called Three Steps to Money Forgiveness. And it's, it's a 10 minute teaching. And uh, for those of you who aren't aware of their work, I would love for you to download this and listen to this. I mean, first of all, who can't listen to them all day long? So you probably want to download this and listen to it many, many times and keep it in your library. But this special gift is, um, is it really, it's about talking about your money mistakes um, and some of what can happen to start to spark and fuel your abundance. And that is part of the awakening and the support that individuals really need to do. So this is a good starting point. So we'll make sure you have the link. Sarah, is there anything else you want to add to our conversation uh, before we wrap? No, I'll just say it's never too late. I mean, 
I mean, I have to just say, I mean, I, you know, Lynn's like a Zoom expert now. She can rattle off the courses we're doing. I mean, like if you knew how far we've come in this last year, the two of us, I mean, anything's possible. It's, it's really phenomenal how, phenomenal how creative we've gotten and how into it we are. And, you know, we're no young spring chicks. We're in our, we're, yeah. So I, I just think you, if you have a passion, if you have a drive, if you have a love, for something and you want to make an impact it's it's just it's never too late it's just never too late I and it's say- in your pocket <laughs> have that little genie in your pocket little genie in your pocket Come, yeah. pops out of the bo- bottle anytime you got genie, but- <laughs> yeah, only some people will get that one i dream of genie with the light brown hair is another one not everybody gets that one <laughs> but um but I, I do want to say that one of the things that I've noticed in working with both of you in this past year is that you had worked very, very hard to develop an audience uh, and to bring your work into the world. And that there were things that needed to be figured out when you made more of the pivot into running your business more online. But you were already committed to bringing your passion into the world. And so, where I know what happened that really lit things up for you this past year was that you had people who were waiting for what it is that you offer. They were excited for what you have to offer because you'd been talking, you'd been communicating, they'd been following you, you were speaking to them. And a lot of business owners get that messed up, right? They don't, they don't connect with their audiences as well. They don't speak everywhere they need to. You bring your work everywhere. A lot of people know about you and it's getting known, getting out there, developing an audience of people that are your community. They will say, what else are you offering? I want more of. (laughs) So you've done a beautiful job with that and made this past year pretty magical to see the results of of the programs that you've launched and and I know what's coming ahead. Oh, you have a lot of um, credit. You get a lot of credit for that, uh, Jeannie, because as a as a mentor, as a consultant, as a coach, as an ally, you're the best. And I hope everybody listening to this podcast um, is lucky enough to work with you the way we are, because it's it's a joy and you're uh, you're you're magic. You're really magic. And we love you. Thank you. I love both of you so much. And I know everyone is going to feel the same when they listen to you. If they haven't heard of you yet, they're going to be jumping into your world. I'm going to put the show in the show notes, the link to your book, uh, the link to the special gift that you have. You're going to want to follow Lynn and Sarah. They're doing some incredible work. Uh, They have some free master classes that are coming out that you're going to get a chance to come and watch. They are launching some new programs. If you are in the stage, if you're a woman right now in this stage and you're sort of struggling with some sufficiency and wanting more abundance, whether it's in finances or in riches in your life, jump into the world, get to know them. You're going to um, wish that you'd been in sooner. I wanna thank you for being here today with my audience, Lynn and Sarah. It's always a pleasure to spend even five extra minutes with you. So thanks for spending it with me today. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you, Jeannie. It's fun. 
Everyone, thanks again for listening. So uh, once again, if you're not part of the Midlife CEO Facebook group, where we take all these conversations about business and growing your business several steps further, jump into my free group at geniespyro.com forward slash CEO, and you can join the Midlife CEO community over there. I'll look forward to seeing everybody in the next episode. I'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Midlife CEO podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.